Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy New Year. This is Anne-Marie Lockhart, and you are listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry. And it's a really great episode today. Um, we didn't have an episode last week, the <laughs> first week of the year. Terrible omen, isn't it? Um, but that's okay, because we're back this week, and we're an hour early, so it's all good. In With all the snow and all the craziness and all the winter, yuck. Um, we're we're on track. So we have a great uh, couple of guests today. We have um, Stan Galloway. Hi, Stan. Hi. And Ray Sharp. Hi, Ray. Hello, Anne-Marie. And they are the first place winners of the first ever Vox Poetica Poetry Contest, which um, the, the winning entries and the runners-up ran in the first week, uh, beginning on New Year's Eve and then through the, the first week of the new year. And I'm going to have them read their first place winning poems now. Stan, if you would read I Smell Onions, please. Sure. I Smell Onions. I smell onions on your breath, and I think of Shakespeare's wire-haired mistress. You, too, submit to gravity and time. There's no mistaking your pretty human voice for birdsong, no wings or halo to confuse my dull mortal senses. For all the beauty of the nightingale's call, and the sudden thrill of heavenly enunciation, I'd rather hear you, stepping through the doorway, say my name, with plain, old, fallible, human affection. Now, that was the first place winner for the Today's Words postings, and there were nine of those in total. Um so that was the one that won over all the judges. And it was, um, both of these first place poems were, there was a great deal of consensus amongst the four very different um, editors who judged it. Lisa Marie Basile, Brian Boylan, Jesse Cardi, and Brad Nelson, who all published very different types of journals. So um, this this and Ray's were both really uh, agreed upon as the two, the two hands down favorites of the group. Um, Stan, would yeah. you tell me where you got, how did this poem come to be? Where did it come from for you? This is a fun story um, because uh, back at the end of October, um, Vox Poetica and Caper Literary uh, joined together for a reading up in Manhattan, and I went up for it. And I actually wrote this poem in my hotel room the afternoon before the reading when I was just sitting there with nothing to do. And I thought, well, what should I write about? And um, it, it, it kind of fell together. I, I was teaching Shakespeare class at the time, and I was uh, reminded of, of the uh, Sonnet 130 that Shakespeare had written about, you know, how really um, not idyllic a woman might be and still be loved. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, I'm not Shakespeare, but I can take that idea and run with it. And so that's where mm-hmm. uh, where it came from. The the first line came because I had had onions at lunch, and I smelled them on my own breath. And so I said, okay, let's pretend this is someone else's breath, and, and so I, I ran with it from there. And so I wrote it probably in about 40 minutes. Stan, it's a beautiful poem. Fun? It's 
Thank I you, just Ray. wanted to say it's beautiful, and, and you make every word count there. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, there, there's there's nothing extra there. It's just very uh, very precise and, and beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I, I attempt to to not waste words, you know, in any of the poems that I write. So I appreciate you saying that. Well, I waste enough for the both of us. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's so cool about these two poems and these two particular writers is you're you're both very different. And um, are you you both I think either met or been you know worked with the other editors before? They're familiar with your work to one degree or another. They've read your stuff, and um, they they're all big fans. And I think you know uh, well we're going to have Ray read his next, and you're going to have it. It's a totally different poem, but there you could see why the judges fell for for both of these poems. Ray, would you please read um, Six Nights? Well, I will, and, and I'll preface it just slightly by saying that it's six nights that span uh, six uh, decades, and uh, so that's kind of the, the structure of it. And the first the first uh, section is taken from when I was about five weeks old, so it's in the third person uh, describing a photograph, and the last five are more directly from my memory and go more from the external to the sort of the internal, I think. So this is called Six Nights, December 31, 1959. Polaroid Sputnik baby on his mother's lap in a West Seattle wood-paneled den with matching floral curtains and couch, small enough to waltz around the room in the crook of his father's flanneled arm. Such a handsome young couple, mom and dad, willing to bear any burden, pay any price. December 31, 1969. Bucktooth astronaut boy wearing glasses, pajamas, and plaid robe. It's early to bed after the CBS evening news with Walter Cronkite, so my parents can host a New Year's Eve party. The next morning, we explore the lunar crater where someone tipsied a chair into the wall, and that's the way it is in the swinging 60s. December 31, 1979. Mexico bound in a month. I can't sit still, so I leave Ron and Vita to their TV and walk from Mission Bay to Pacific Beach, where the waves sparkle under a billion stars. I wish upon the constellation Sidious Altius Fortius, certain that the faraway fires of the night burn brightest for me and me alone. December 31, 1989. Ceausescu's six days dead. The tanks left Gdansk, and the Berlin Wall's been down a month now. My decade of world conquest is burning out. No more flying the flags upside down at midnight. My Cold War's just begun. I'm like the dark figure in the distant doorway of Velasquez's Las Meninas. It's hard to say whether I'm coming or going. December 31, 1999. Is this how it ends? Alone with the lights still on? Afraid to step across the chasm because I can't see beyond the blackness to solid ground. Neil Young is singing. It sent a chill up and down my spine when I picked up the telephone and heard that he died out on the main line. But then, I've got the will to love, like something from above. December 31, 2009. It's growing late. Time again when the old man welcomes the baby in the waltz of the new year, like Dad with me so long ago, and I with my baby snuggled tight to Dance Me to the End of Love by Leonard Cohen, 
that great old Father Time who, if he were here with us right now, would raise his silver cup and say a prayer for peace. So now, Ray, tell us how that poem came to be. Well, it's really uh, just a memory, and I think that uh, for me, it's, you know, um, the the way memory works, I think, is the way that poetry works, where we, we take in so many, uh, you know, through our senses, we are immersed in the world, and then we try to, to you know, uh, m- selectively, we edit. Our memory is the editing of all the all the experiences we've had in our lifetime in an attempt to organize them and make meaning. And I think that's what we do when we write poetry, too. We take the experiences of the world and we edit and we try to find some some coherent story to tell or some meaning. So, um, you know, I think that uh, for me this, this poem is, uh, is a lot like Stan's in that his starts with the, a sensual uh, image, uh, the smell, a smell that provokes for him a feeling, uh, you know, about a person, so, uh, and then the story goes mm-hmm. on from there. I, I want to say uh, I'm a big fan of structure. Uh, some of you know that, and I, I really appreciate the the structure of the the decade leaps that you go through because it helps us think about the fact that that we change so much, but day by day we don't notice. No, mm-hmm. we don't. And then I tried to to, to close the structure to make it uh, a circle because in the last one. I'm reminded of my father uh, right. with me as a baby, and I and I think about my relationship with my children. So yes, you know, very the good. time goes on. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Stan, you submitted a few poems to the contest, and I, I'm curious. I want you to read um, one in particular, "Elephant and Egret," and I'd like to uh, discuss a little bit how we as writers come to our decisions about submissions. Why, how do you know this poem is right? to submit for this particular thing? It's always a gamble. Um, you, you go with, with your gut sometimes. Uh, in my case, uh, I have uh, what I would call kind of three prongs uh, in the poems that I write, and and this was a different prong than, uh, than the one uh, that I Smell Onions comes out of. This is actually a poem that I wrote uh, a number of years ago uh, based on an experience. Uh, my family and I were in Kenya for 10 weeks, and I taught there. And so this is about um, you know, the things that we learn by, by living someplace else. And so uh, let, me, let me read it for you, a uh, poem called Elephant and Egret. We can't all be elephants, the big, majestic, ivory-laden monoliths of peace, the ones who can't but draw attention by their stature in the world, the Grahams, the Jeremiahs, who are seen and heard by thousands. White safari vans all line the road where one lone bull strips leaves at sunrise, everyone excited just to hear him breathe and snap the slender branches, see his bulk bring definition to the plain. Shadowed, an egret picks ticks from dunged toes, groomed short hairs around pillared knees, unnoticed. Six quick wing flaps lift it to the broad back where irritants crawl. Parasites leech the thick hide until pecked loose, sting broken. Symbiosis by design. God makes elephant and egret, mouth and spleen, 
the preacher and the layman. Now, this poem was also very well received by uh, the judges, and it was um, it was disallowed. <laughs> it was disallowed because your other poem was a resounding first place. So, um, it it had if you had only submitted this one, it would have been one of the finalists as well. So, I'm thinking about the two poems here, and that you know they were both clearly you know. Excellent poems, as were all the poems that were submitted. There were really some wonderful pieces in there, um, but how, but they were clearly also the right choices. Um, so what how, what did what made you think this one would would be a good uh, good one to send? Uh, th- this is a poem that deals with uh, differences and the fact mm-hmm. that just being different is still acceptable. You know that we all have different mm-hmm. roles to play in life, and I thought that's a good message for a New Year's contest. One that that talks about okay, we're starting over. What is it we need to do right this time? Um, and so, and it's a poem that I like. You know, out of all the poems that I wrote from that experience, this is one of my favorites, uh, just because of the fact that it seems uh, so accepting. I really it's love that poem. For, I, Sorry, it's a good one. And I, no, I, it's okay. I think we all we all really like that. I, I particularly like the imagery in it. You know the um, imagery, the details are just so vivid. I yeah. have no, I, I have no doubt that you were standing there observing that, mm. <laughs> because the because the details are just so fantastic. And then, that's our job as poets is to take those details and try to um, express some greater meaning. Or you know, and I think you did it there without it seem, seeming forced. It, it was mm. beautiful. Yes, thank you. Well, and I. I think that's something that the two of you both do very well in very different ways. Your voices are very different, poetically speaking. But when when I read both of your work, I feel very much like I'm immersed in it. I feel like I can see it all playing out right there. And I think that's one of the things that makes it very successful. Um, you you both, I think you both approach writing differently. Um, but let me ask you both. This is a question for two of you, and you can answer whichever one wants to go first. Um, do you write um, – wh- when you write something that you like, you know, because we don't all write things we like. Some of it is kind of we have to come to it later or we have to throw it out. But, you know, when you write something and you, you like it when you write it, do you think of where you might want to send it, or does that come later? Do you wait and let that kind of come to you? But do you sometimes write something with a specific venue in mind, for example? It happens both ways for me. Uh, sometimes I write because I, I want to say something. Other times I write because I've thought about somebody listening to it. Um, so it happens both ways. Yeah, I think for me it's more the former than the latter. I've been writing pretty regularly for about a year and a half, and I haven't given much thought to submission or audience. Mm-hmm. You know, So um, maybe that's something I'm evolving towards. Hmm. Um, we are out of time, and we do have um, uh, Ray is going to read a poem to close. Um, and I just wanted to get any any final thoughts the two of you had about um, you know the experience of the contest, the experience of those particular poems, what any of it meant to you. You know, I'm, I'm very general. Whatever you guys want <laughs> to say as you close. Well, I just want to say thank you for uh, for inviting us to do this. I appreciate meeting Ray here and uh, being able to share this uh, experience and for you adjusting the time for me. Well, and I'd just add that uh, that uh, thank you for, for uh, Vox Poetica and 
for helping to cultivate uh, a community of writers. It's yes. been a good experience for me. I think our listeners and readers would say the same thing about having your voices come to them, and, you know, enlivening your words, which um, you both have a number of fans in the Vox Poetica community, and people are always anxious to read more of your stuff. So on that note, um, I'm going to say thank you all for listening, and I'm going to I'm not come back with any any words after Ray reads his poem. It's just going to be the end of the show. I will uh, look forward to talking with everyone next week. Um, Ray, if you would read your last poem for us. Well, thanks, uh, yeah, Anne-Marie. Um, I posted this last night. I wrote it last night in about 15 minutes after sort of uh, having the image swirl around my head for a few hours. This is called Tucson. Suaros stand on Sonoran Hills like a million men and women. Anyone will tell you that, as we all recognize the familiar form. Upright beings with arms waving friendly how-dos, arms hanging down, reaching for guns. Arms up mean don't shoot. Suaros, too, fall down dead. Suaro sounds like sorrow. And that's it. Thanks, Anne-Marie.